Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Just a great sense of God's presence. I've got a lot to to go through, but before I do that, I I just want to say, I am so, so glad that God has taken my chunk of my life. He's just taken, anybody know what he's taken? He's taken the my life. When we were just worshipping, I was just... It all Now this is a building block 
for weeks that are following. This particular message is fundamental for saying what we do want in the life of this church. Now, for many people, discipleship has actually lost its power in the 21st century, and this is mainly down to religion, religious connotations. But this word discipleship was never meant to be a religious word. In fact, this word disciple was used by Jesus to define his followers. So if you were a disciple, you were a follower. You were associated with Jesus. You see, many people now boil discipleship down. So whether you're new to church, or whether you've been in church for years, this is for everybody, or whether you may not even be a follower of Jesus, you've never invited him to your life, this may help you because you've heard some stuff. Because many people boil discipleship down to, well, it's attending church, or it's praying. Or it's reading the Bible, and it might be just tipping God, throwing a few quid in the offering. And most people, that's what discipleship really boils down to. You've got to do your duty once a week. But actually, that has nothing to do. That is not discipleship. When Jesus was calling people to follow him, there was a sense of, I'm, I'm calling you into discipleship. And actually, discipleship comes from a Greek word, which is mathetes, which means to be a learner. So when he uses the word disciple, it's using this thought of, you're a learner. Right, yeah. We've all got the L plates. Anybody ever followed an L, an L driver? <laughs> Anybody like following L drivers? <laughs> As soon as you see, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I need to get somewhere. But the fact is, we all have to learn, don't we? But in life, and in Christian life, we never actually take the L points off. We never get to the P. We're just in the L. When anybody I've seen that has got a P on them, it's, ah, oh, we've got trouble here. It's just like they don't want to do it. And actually, you realize that P's don't want to do it either. The P's are worse than your health, because the end of a driving instructor is just anybody with it. Yeah. It's dreadful when you've got the P's on and you don't ever put a P on the car. I said to our man in class recently, don't put a P on the car. You know, Sheldon, don't do it. Everybody's thinking, oh, this is even worse. In Christian life, we always have the L. The learner. We're all learners. You see, it means to be someone who is learning the doctrines of Scripture, which basically means digging into this word, letting it apply to our lives, and also the lifestyle that it requires. That's where most of us go wrong. We say, well, read it, but we don't like the lifestyle. So, I like that bit. Oh, I'm happy with that. No, I don't like that. I don't like that bit. Oh, that's great. Oh, this bit's right. I don't like that bit. Tell that. That's how a lot of people live. But actually, we have to take the full authority of the scriptures. And that's what it means to be a disciple. It's a learner. It's a follower. And if we to go on this journey with Christ, our calling, our first and foremost calling is to be a disciple. Not an attender, but a disciple, to be a learner, to be a follower. You see, I'm a leader, not just by a title, but just by what I am, how I'm white. 
But my first call is not to be a leader. My first call is to be a disciple. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't think that I'm just leading from the front without having the discipleship behind it. I'm having to allow God's word to just dig deep in my heart. Yeah. You know, and one of the things is in a world that so lost the celebrity culture. I mean, I am frustrated at my tree when I just watch normal TV. That I don't watch it, but I've seen it in Love Island here, the celebrity group, one that get me out of here, and all this kind of rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Creating, yeah. you know, creating individuals that have got no, I'm sorry, nothing to say. No. Sorry if you're watching it. They have nothing to say. They're, there's nothing on that TV screen that I want to see that's going to do me any good. And yet they all of a sudden become a celebrity because we transfix with this celebrity culture. And what we do is that we can become fans. So, you know, my kids, some of them love Justin Bieber. You might say, really? Well, they're, they're fans of Justin Bieber. I'm a fan of Liverpool Football Club. Let's not go there. <laughs> we, we are fans, but here's the point. Are we, are we fans or are we followers of Jesus? Because, you know, again, I've come across numbers of people who are fans of stuff, but there's a difference between being a follower. What do I mean by that? Well, fans are fickle. Yeah. Yeah. But followers stick around yeah. through thick and thin. Yeah. That's why I'm a follower of Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> fans move on, but followers will lay their lives down. Are you hearing me? This is so important. In Arena Church, we're not calling for fans, we're calling for followers. Yeah. Jesus isn't through the scriptures calling for fans of his, he's calling followers. Yeah. I digress from in John chapter 6, there were many fans of Jesus, yeah. and then he said something difficult, and they all started deserting him, and he turned to it. His, his inner 12 and said, Are you going to desert me as well? Are you a fan? Yeah. They said, We're not fans, we're followers. Where, where else can we go? We're going to get life like this. So we're not calling for fans, we're calling for followers. We're not trying to build a crowd, we're trying to build the church. Yeah. 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 You know, fans have numbers of loyalties, but followers are loyal to one. Yeah. Fans look on, followers get stuck in. Yeah. So here's the question, are you a fan of Jesus, or are you a follower of Jesus? And today what I want to do is just take two passages of scripture that are going to come on the screen. We're going to read them. I need to make a few more comments just so that you know where I'm going. And then we're going to just try and work out some of the practices of what it looks like to be disciples. Really I've laid a foundation of the principle what does discipleship mean. But we're going to use these two contrasting Bible passages and look at them together. So the first one is found in Luke chapter 19. And verses 1 to 10, it's a favourite passage of many people who know the Bibles a little bit because it's a story I guess we can all relate to at many different levels. And it begins, Jesus entered Jericho, that was just a city, a town where Jesus was walking through. And verse 2, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector, which meant he was basically organising uh, the finances and taxing people and tax collectors just to quickly have the ability to not only tax for the Romans but they put on tax for themselves. That's how they got the wealth. 
So maybe the Romans said we want 10% and you can charge whatever you want. And they said, well, we're going to put another 10% on. And that came to us. But they had the power of the Romans, so nobody would touch them. And they were normally of the people. So these were despised and hated by their own people. And as a result of being a tax collector, he usually became quite wealthy. And it says there, and Zacchaeus was wealthy. But Zacchaeus had heard Jesus coming through Jericho, and he said, I want to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, small, he could not see over the crowds. See, there were lots of fans of Jesus. And he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, there's much I could say about this story, but time won't allow us, but he looked up and saw Zacchaeus. And he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, because I want to stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this. So all the fans, all the crowd saw this, and they began to mutter to themselves, I can't believe this. He's going to be a guest of a sinner. I can't believe this. This Jesus, is, has he lost his bearings? Has he lost his mind? And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, to Jesus, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, and of course he knows he has, I will pay them back four times the amount. This was a wealthy man. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. And verse 10, I love this verse. I've preached from this verse loads and loads of Literally, when I say around the world, I have in different contexts because it's one of my favorite verses. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But let me contrast it with a story in Mark chapter 10. And verse 17. You can just follow it on the screen. Because it reads there, there was, as they went out into the street, a man, one version calls him a wealthy, rich, young ruler type, came up to greet Jesus and greeted him with great reverence and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to... Inherit, gain eternal life. And Jesus says to him, Why are you calling me God? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, and honor your mother and father. Now, there's some in that list, this is me now talking, that I would say I've definitely not done, but there's some things I could say I definitely have done. But this is what he says. He said, Teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. This was a pure young man. This was an outstanding man of character. And Jesus looked at him hard in the eyes, eyeball to eyeball, and he loved him. And he said, okay, there's only one thing left for you to do. You see, you two are wealthy. And I'm asking you to go and sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. And all your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And then come, follow me. Come and be a learner of me. 
that a man's face, face clouded over, one version says, he looked downcast. Because this was the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked up with a heavy heart. Again, one version says he looked very sad. Why? Because he was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. I wonder if you've ever had a boss who demands everything but gives nothing. Anybody ever followed a boss like that? I'm not going to tell him, just raise your hand. You feel like you've got a boss? I hope there's nobody in the arena who's
particularly when I compare the two stories. You've got two very wealthy guys who've done really well for themselves, built businesses, but one was righteous, but one was unrighteous. One was doing it the right way, one was doing it the wrong way. You see, Zacchaeus had done some bad stuff in his life. He made some bad decisions. And yet, these two stories help me to understand what true discipleship boils down to. You see, the difference with these two guys, even though they're very similar in terms of what they've accumulated, <clears throat> it all boils down to this one thing. <laughs> Offering everything to God. Yeah, yes. I'll say that again. Yeah. Offering everything yes. to God. Yeah. Whatever that something which is sacred in your life is, yeah. offering it all to God. That's what true discipleship really boils down to. Because we may well come on to Jesus wasn't against wealth. He really wasn't. He had lots of wealthy friends. He knew wealth. And we're not against wealth. I'm not asking anybody to give everything away. But if Jesus is asking you to do it, then you better do it. Yeah. I'm not asking you to do anything. What I am trying to say to us all, myself included, is that we need to have hearts that have no separation from God. There's nothing that we wouldn't give to God. That is true discipleship. That is true fellowship. And that's tough. Because there can be no areas that are off limits, no compartments, segments of our life that He is not allowed to touch. Oh my goodness. Let me that Christian. I'm Anybody want to go home now and just enjoy the afternoon? <laughs> I'm sorry if you came for a nice mess, but that's, that's how I feel. I just feel like taking my jacket off and just throwing it on the flipping floor. There you go. I can't believe this. Anybody with me? I mean, just have the light in the mood. You don't need to see that. I'm, you know, I can't have anything. <laughs> now you can have everything as long as Jesus is first. Yeah. Yeah. As long as Jesus is the first thing that you think about, as long as Jesus is directing your footsteps, as long as Jesus is the one that you love and worship, because it really boils down to what they want, what they worship. Exactly is what they worship. Well, that's why you're free to get away. But this rich young ruler is clearly worshiping his money. That's what it boils down to. It's quite simple. Are we willing to give everything up to God? You see, here it is. We wrote it in there. The difference with these two men, this is to underline this point, was their relationship with their money. One was willing to give it all, and one would only give some. But I believe the best way, if we're going to live our discipleship, is to take some principles from Zacchaeus' life because Zacchaeus' life was transformed. And there's four things very quickly that we want to show you that I think will help us from this life and from this story to see what true discipleship looks like. So, you're ready? Yeah. Yeah. You go to the person next to you, are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Are we ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Are you ready to rock and roll? She's got the pen and the pad. Have you got your pen and your pad ready? Oh my goodness, this is awesome. <laughs> Number one. Discipleship starts with a need, the need of someone or something greater. Discipleship starts with the need for someone or something greater. 
is clear. It's very, very clear to me that Zacchaeus highlighted the need for something bigger than himself. Because he was looking for Jesus. Why would he look for something? He got everything. He got everything. He got all. But he was looking for something. And if you're here today, you're looking for something. It might be actually your life's pretty good. And I actually celebrate. Your life doesn't need to be wrecked to come to Jesus. It really doesn't. Your life can be pretty good. But you just know there's something missing. And I believe we're going to increasingly have people like that. They're in your world. There's some, we, we love the fact that there's people here who come from very broken lifestyles and you know you need Jesus because your life is a complete mess and you're addicted to all kinds of stuff. You know who you are and I love you. I've said to many of you, you're welcome. I love you. I'll give you the biggest talk. I love that you're here. I never ever look stupidly down my nose at you. You are a person that Jesus loves like you loves me. Hello? That's always about culture. So there's another side of people just have no addictions, they've got money in the bank, they're doing all that, but just now, there's something. And this is what happened with Zacchaeus. Because we see Zacchaeus at the lowest point of his life, he's empty, he's broken, there's clearly things that are happening in his life, even though he's got all this stuff, and he just wants. Then, he climbed a tree to see Jesus. He was willing to look unrespectful by climbing a fool by climbing a tree. Some people are going to say to you, you are stupid going to this church. Why are you going to that arena church for whatever? Nothing to say. They're a bunch of crackpots. They're a bunch of idiots. They don't know what they're on about. What are they on about? Feeding the poor. They're in food banks. And some of you are going to have to face that. That's why it takes real commitment to real drag to be a Christian. He was willing to be a fool to others because he wanted to get to Jesus. See, he was at a place where he would do anything to quieten the storm raging in their in soul. Yeah. And again, some of you might be here, and you just it's raging inside. You just wanted to quiet. You say to yourself, "Quiet, quiet, quiet." You try and fill it with all kinds of stuff, but you just will not silence. It's only Jesus who will do that. Yeah. Zacchaeus understood this because you understand that still discipleship starts with the realization that I'm not the best candidate to take the wheel of my life. Using the analogy of a car, you know, it's best if you want to get somewhere and somebody knows where they're going to do a good driver to give them access to the driver's side, yeah? Yeah. yeah. You won't want to put, let's go back to the learner driver. You won't want to go back to the learner driver, will you? You're asking to put a navigation, you do it. Well, this is the same with us. You might think you know what you're doing in your life. You might think you're in control of your life. You might have believed the lie, which is a lie. There is no God. It's just a band that appeared all of this. And once you die, you go to nothing. You might have heard that. You might have believed that lie. I want to tell you it's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie. And scientists have proven it more and more and more. So more scientists come into faith than, than probably any other time in history. So they're just, they're just understanding more and more and more about this complex way in which we live. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, if you believe that, then you say, well, I'm going to take the will of my life. But for me, and for many of us, we've said, actually, we're not the best people to take control of our life. And this God is real, and this God knows it all. So I'm best, actually, Jay, not giving him me driving it. I'm now going to 
give him the will of my life. And James told his story last year and through the summer of how that happened. From the life of kind of God worshipping the house and all this stuff to now seeing that actually the one and true living God is a revelation that came to him and he's now following this God that's given him the steel will of his life. And life doesn't have to be perfect and won't be perfect, but life is precious and pure and fulfilling and meaningful. And whenever your days are, uh, are gone, you know that you're going to be in, in, with the presence of God for eternity. My kids keep saying, hey, what's this eternity? I said, it's a very long time. <laughs> eternity means forever and forever and forever and forever. Yeah, you can't get your heads around it. Don't even try. But that's the reality. That is the promise. That is the guarantee. And this is what this, this, this man said. He said, it's the starting point. It starts with understanding that I need to follow someone greater. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Because with blessing you, there is more of God and his rule. Yeah. It's good then to be at the end of your rope if you just feel like I'm at the end of myself. Yeah. What is happening in my life? People you come into contact with. Many of them are at the end of the road, just talk to them lovingly, gently. I was like that. But Jesus has made a great difference in my life. Just begin to open the conversation. You don't have to try and drag them to church. Just talk to them about the difference that Jesus made. Show them the difference that Jesus made in your life, church. Yeah. You see, I've seen people be Christians their entire lives who never step into all that God has because they will not give him the reins of their life. And that takes faith. And you're here today, I know there's many people who are followers of Jesus, but some people I don't know, so I'm just going to ask you at the end to ask Jesus and give Jesus the, will, the steering wheel of your life or the reins of your life. Yeah. But it takes faith to do that. Yeah. He is the God of heaven and the, earth, the one who made us. And if you try and live life by yourself and live by your control, you will fall short of God's best for you. This is discipleship. Number two. There's loads more we can say there. Number two. Discipleship comes through relationship. Discipleship comes through relationship. So now I'm the starting point is I need someone greater. It actually comes through relationship. And I love the picture that's painted in this passage because Zacchaeus is searching for something bigger. And when Jesus walks over to the bottom of the tree, I actually think Zacchaeus' heart is pounding. What do I mean? Has anybody ever been in, oh, now, of course, you're too holy for this, and of course, we have some police officers here today. But the idea is a little bit like when you may have been slightly bending the speed limits. <laughs> not looking at anybody in particular. Anywhere? And you then see the blue lights <laughs> flashing behind. Tell me one minute what begins to happen goes through your mind. Oh, flip it. I'm a partner. There's another three points. Anybody at home looks with? Yeah. yeah. You've been dawdling in memory. You've just been nervous. Some of you women. <laughs> <laughs> 
say you're worried because you think you're about to be pulled over. And I think this is what that is, because like, he came to what he thought, I'm, I'm finished, I'm a goner. I'm a goner. This Jesus has now got me. And this is now, you know, I'm there already. You know, he thought he was, Jesus was going to nail him, lambast him, challenge him, call him out with all the people, make him ashamed, bring condemnation on him. Some of you have been to churches like that. They've condemned you and, you know, said what you're about and, you know, how you're not living your life. And you know you're not. But this is a place for you to begin to just, through relationship, work it through. And sometimes think Jesus is like that. He's against us. Jesus is not against us. He loves us. I've said to you before, he loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us where we are. Doesn't excuse bad behavior. There needs to be a change. It'll be my last point. But I think this is what Zacchaeus was thinking. And Zacchaeus saw this because he knew he was flawed. And let's be honest, we know we're fundamentally flawed. We're expecting to tell us off. But Jesus, get this, this is beautiful. Listen, this actually comes to a relationship. Jesus doesn't tell him off. He says, Can I come to your house with some spot lunch? <laughs> That's why they were ticked off the crowd, the fans. What? We've never been asked to come and have food with you. If you want to go with him. Yeah. Here's the important point. For you to understand about Jesus and for us to understand as we connect with people and the culture of this church. Jesus first connected before he corrected. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Jesus first connected yeah. and then he corrected. Sometimes we can just be forever right here. If I want my kids to do something, you just got to coax them, walk them, encourage them. <coughs> then if they don't get it, then there's something else they <laughs> And I'm not talking, please don't mis- misinterpret that. You know, there's some directions, some boundaries, and strong. But walk them through. It's what Jesus did. Zacchaeus. You know, and I think Zacchaeus and we accept his correction because we know ultimately he knows best. Yeah. And he is first. Yeah. And I am second. And what he says goes. I also love the fact that Jesus did it in the context of a small group. This is a relationship. Because he said, let's go and have some food together. I don't think that was just a private sitting like you have with the Queen or the PM. I think this was numbers of people that were there. And it was like a small group. And there were numerous people around for food and so grateful that God is helping us with small groups. More and more people are getting connected to small groups. There's more and more leaders coming through. And if you are not in a small group, I would encourage you to get involved in a small group. Downstairs at the resource hall, just put your name down and say, I'm not in a small group. I need to get in one. There's many small group leaders here who can testify to God just doing a great work in people's lives. As long as you can go to those groups where God is doing great work. And that's what happens in relationships. Thirdly, discipleship only works where there is a revelation. So it comes out of a relationship, but it's where there's a revelation. What do I mean? Well, the first two words that Zacchaeus used at the beginning of his speech to the crowd, he's used two words. Look, Lord. Look, Lord. 
And that was his revelation, that this was not just a teacher, not just a prophet, not just a good man, but this was the Lord. What does he mean by that? He means the Lord, he's the master, you're the ruler, you're the king. That's what I'm announcing. Look, king, look, master, look, ruler. You're going to demand everything from me. You're not just a good man. And that's what happened with Zacchaeus. There was a revelation that took place that Jesus was the Lord. And this is game changer. I want to tell you this is game changer because some of you have come in to the fact of you know that there's a sense of, of, of relationship and you know you need someone, someone greater. But actually this revelation, I believe it's going to happen even now as I speak, there's a revelation that he is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. He is the one who needs to be king of your life. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Numbers of people have said to Lisa, number of you know Lisa's story, the the background, brokenness that she came from. And people have tried to go on the journey of, of Lisa and try to do the things that Lisa has done to try and get them out of a life of a cycle of, of, of depression and uh, anarchy and violence and all the rest of it. You know the, you know the difference is? General revelation that Jesus is Lord. That's right. Yeah. It's game changing. Yeah. It's game changing. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it all happened. Yeah. And some of you need to come into a revelation that can't be by man. I would pray that the Holy Spirit would just know. Even as I speak now, this is the one that you need. And this is what it says because this is game changing because he takes control of your life. It's someone you can trust. A revelation of Jesus empowers us to trust him no matter what. It doesn't make sense. You still will have doubts. You may have even a blip of faith. But it means that you have a confidence that Jesus is Lord of your life. And Zacchaeus came to the revelation, and that is why he called him Lord. He had to be first, front, and central in his life. And he is the one that we turn to when things aren't going wrong. He has to be our first response. This is a revelation. And we can do that through prayer. I'm moving quickly. Number four. The hallmark of a disciple, or the hallmark of discipleship, is a life change. Very quickly. As time has gone. A life change. You see, Zacchaeus <clears throat> entered into this life change. But the ritual ruler, let's jump back there for a moment. He walked away. Very sad. Why? Because he was holding on tightly to a lot of things. That's what the Bible reports. He was holding on tightly to a lot of things. And he was not about to let them go. But the hallmark of discipleship is a life change or a life changing. And Zacchaeus was transformed differently by Jesus because he stood up and announced, and this clearly showed that he was a different man. He actually said, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times. Does it speak to you of a life that has been transformed? Help me this morning. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, Zacchaeus, who lived to amass great wealth, have houses, have fine wines, fine clothes, look after his family, his closest family. He was now basically said, I'm willing to give it all away because of this lordship revelation, because of this 
relationship that I'm walking into because I'm so in need in the deep recesses of my heart. I want my life to be changed. He was willing to do what was necessary to do that. Please don't tell me you're a disciple. This is now talking to, to church people. If you are exactly the same person you were three years ago. Disciples are constantly becoming more like Jesus. It's just very quickly. I felt very challenged about a month ago that I was not loving enough. I felt just as I in prayer, I was not loving enough. I wasn't loving like Jesus would love. And just on that, that's not sloppy love. I did this message of a gap a lot. I was deeply challenged. You heard me talk about it. I thought the Lord whispered to me, I want you to read 1 Corinthians 13 and make a prayer of your life. I want you to pray this through every day. I want you to memorize and know these verses. I want you to meditate on them. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not easily angered. He's not self-seeking. He keeps no record of wrong. I want to tell you, since I've been praying, I've just been for a few weeks. God has been just doing stuff in me. With my wife, I'm not patient enough. Not wanting to decide with us. What I'm basically saying to you is this, is this is the discipleship journey. I've been a Christian for a long time now, 30 years. But I'm changing. Because I need to change. I need to change. And discipleship is the whole part of it is life change. You know, as I close, some of us, this discipleship journey is going to literally be a call to leave everything to follow Jesus. Some of you are going to be sent to foreign countries. Some of you are going to be sent to five churches. Some of you are going to literally serve, and what I mean by that, in a church capacity. Yeah. Let me tell you, God is doing that, and you will cost you everything. Yeah. But for others, it may be you're called to serve your office, your business. That's your calling. You know, in the hospital, in the, in the, in the neighborhood. But we're all called to serve and be a disciple wherever we are. He may be calling us to bless someone financially. He may be calling you to bring reconciliation. He may be calling you to go and serve another country. He may be calling you to go and love that lost, lonely person in your community. But there's a question, what is God asking of you that you have been saying no to? You see, disciples in our world will change the world. A fan stands back and watches a follower gets involved. And Jesus wants to involve you in his redemptive plan in the world. The way that the world is changed is by the church, you, coming together, united by his power of work in us, and then taking him into the world. We're called to stand out and shine. The church should see the moral compass, it should see the integrity, it should see the way that we live. We live as strangers in a very dark world. So where's the thing? Are we fans? Or are we followers? Are we going to lean into someone greater? Are we going to start through relationship? Are we going to enter into this revelation that you are the Lord? And are we going to continue keeping?
commit our lives to life change. God gives an offer today of a divine exchange. And I was a recently, but I haven't got the ten pounds, and I thought I've not got ten pounds in my pocket. But it's almost equivalent to saying, has anybody got a pet one p? And if somebody was to say, yeah, I've got one piece, should yeah, I've got one piece, he comes to us and gives us the ten pounds. Yeah. Yeah. You see, his offer is always something greater than yeah. we, yeah. we have. Yeah. He's not like that boss that offers everything but has nothing back. He's not like that relationship that is just one way. He gives everything to us, but he demands everything from us. Yeah. Yeah. But as we give everything to it, he just falls back into it, because that's the kind of father relationship that we have today. This is the bedrock of where we're going to go. This is what we need at the very heart of arena. Not clever.